All right, can we thank Taylor for putting that video together? Thank you, Taylor, for sharing that testimony. It is amazing when we have God answer one of our prayers that we're asking for. And I know I've heard some of you guys in, in the month of December, we were praying for miracles, for specific things, for big things. And I've already heard some of those prayers answered. And it, it's just amazing when God does that. But what about when he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want? Has anyone in here ever prayed and not God didn't give you what you wanted? <laughs> he didn't answer your prayer the way you were asking? Yeah, have you ever felt that way? I know that I have. I remember I, we've shared a lot about our, our period of infertility and, and struggling to get pregnant. And I remember vividly when Melissa and I on a, you know, got pregnant, we were really excited. We we're like, great, we got pregnant. We went in, we get tested, everything looks good. And then we get a blood test. And I remember vividly it was on a Friday. And they're like, okay, things look a little abnormal. The numbers aren't quite what they should be. But, but the pregnancy could still be good. So we'll test again on Monday to confirm that the, the pregnancy is still viable. So we prayed like crazy that weekend. We just prayed over and over again. Like every single moment we were praying, we were getting other people to pray with us. We were just fervently praying and we cried out. And I remember we got that test results back on Monday and the pregnancy wasn't viable. We, we lost that baby. And that was, was so hard because we had done everything right. We'd been praying, we'd been crying out to God. We'd been longing. God knew our heart that we wanted kids. And yet we didn't get what we asked for in prayer. Has anybody had an experience like that? Maybe you've had an experience when you've cried out to God, God, I, I, I want the baby. <laughs> it doesn't happen. You've cried out, God, heal this person, and they don't get healed. They even die. Maybe you're asking God you know, to, to get you a job. You don't get the job. You want to pass the test and didn't pass the test. There's a lot of times we're asking God for things, and it doesn't come through the way we want it to be. And it's challenging, isn't it? So how do we respond to that? I think it, it is really challenging for us because... Um, for some reason, we tend to think that, that God is like that genie in a bottle, that if you just like rub it, this giant blue guy will come out, talk like Robin Williams, and answer everything you want, your wish. Anybody thought God's like that? Well, he's not, okay? God is not a genie in a bottle. He doesn't uh, grant our wishes exactly like we see fit. So it's hard when we learn that the, the first time or, or the 10th time, and we're thinking, man, especially for some of these big things, so how do we respond when we ask God for these things and the prayers aren't answered? That's what today's message is going to be all about. And it's a message I'm calling, Your Will Be Done. Sawyer kicked us off last week with the 21 days of prayer, and we're really focusing on these, these two lines that Jesus taught us to pray. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the, the prayer he taught his disciples to pray. Some of you uh, grew up saying that every week in church, right? You're saying that, or, or you get sent home like for your penance. You gotta say, you know, 50 our fathers, right? And, and you guys are used to that. And you've heard that before. But what we're gonna learn is to, to, to how to actually respond to God when we don't get our prayers answered the way we want. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in, in Luke chapter 22. Um, actually, we're gonna jump a couple places. So if you go use the YouVersion Bible app, you can find our event. You hit the very bottom right corner, it says more, and then you can find our event for Arise Church Denver. You can see all the scriptures that we're gonna be looking at today. Because when something like that happens, when our big prayers aren't answered the way we want, people respond, uh, I think, about three different ways. Three different ways. And the first two ways are not good. <laughs> Just give you the, the secret already. And the third way is the way of Jesus, that Jesus teaches us and models for us how to respond and approach God after he's told us no on something. So the first thing that I've noticed, when people have a big prayer that they're asking for and it doesn't come through the way they want, people will start to say, well, I guess I, I just will stop asking God for stuff. People do this. They, they're not even going to ask God. They're not even going to ask. And sometimes it's because of unbelief. 
Sometimes it's because of unbelief. I, I don't believe anymore. I remember a man that I, I worked with for a while, and it, this was before I'd become a pastor, and I told him I was going to be a pastor, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was a youth pastor once. I was like, really? Why are you such an angry old man now? Like, what happened? And he would say the same thing, okay? Why are you an, this angry old bitter man? And I talked with him, and he's like, yeah, I was a youth pastor. And then my mom got really sick. I prayed for her to get healed, and she didn't. She died. So I walked away from the faith. So someone like that, it's not even going to ask anymore because my prayer wasn't answered the way I want. But some people are like, well, I, I still believe in God, but I'm not going to ask. And these are people we talked about last series called like unbelieving believers. They're like, I do believe in God, but I don't know if I want to ask. Sometimes it's, it's hard to ask. There was a woman that came here uh, several weeks ago and she was distraught afterwards. So me and a, a group of people, we prayed for her and we're like, what, what's going on? And she said, well, my dad's really sick with COVID. We think he's going to die. And I was like, can we pray? And she's like, I don't even know if I can pray. I, I don't even want to ask, she said, because she's worried if, if God gives her a no or, or doesn't answer. So, sometimes we feel that way. I don't know if I can ask, because what if he says no? I don't know if I can ask. Sometimes we almost feel like he's just like too busy. He's got all these other people going, you know, in the world. Like he's maybe listening to the Pope guy, but what about, I don't know, me? God's too, too busy for someone like me to answer my prayers. So I'm not even going to ask. But this isn't a healthy response. It's not a good response when our prayers aren't answered. Because God is not too busy for you. Did you know he's omnipotent, meaning he has all power? He can do all things. He can hear to all people at once. He loves us and cares about us. So he wants us to ask. In fact, we are taught by Jesus that we should ask, seek, and knock, meaning keep going and going and going to ask him. Jesus' brother James says, you have not because you ask not. So I do not want you to stop asking. So this first response is not a good one. It's not a healthy one. You should keep asking, even if a prayer that you really wanted answered didn't get answered the way you wanted. So don't stop asking. But the second response people have is also not a good one. Because these people say, my prayer wasn't answered because I didn't have enough faith. Or your prayer wasn't answered because you didn't have enough faith. The, the, the not enough faith response and these people are like, well, I guess we need to just summon up more faith. We have to believe harder. No more doubts in your mind. Don't be double-minded. But when someone tells you to stop doubting, it's like them telling you to not think about the pink elephant. And then all you think about is the pink elephant, right? When you try not to think about doubts, all of a sudden these doubts keep coming in your head. And it's, it's really tough. But the good news is that Jesus taught us that it takes faith as small as a mustard seed. And then you can say to a mountain, go throw yourself in the sea. A miracle can happen with the smallest, teeniest amount of faith. So it's not because you don't have enough faith that your prayer necessarily isn't being answered. Sure, Jesus wants your prayer to grow, or your faith to grow. He wants you to have more faith and, and to believe in him. But it's not like you can just summon up more faith. Because to believe that you don't have enough faith, and that's why your prayer isn't answered, is devastating. Melissa, when both her grandparents had passed away in, in the span of a year from cancer, she, she had somebody come up to her and say, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Devastating, right? For that person to believe it and devastating for other people to even think that because you didn't have enough faith. That's miserable. So let's not fall into that second category either because it only takes us faith as small as a mustard seed. So we need to have the third response, the biblical response, the, the response that Jesus teaches us and models for us, and that is to ask and trust. To ask and trust. It's got to be both these things. 
We gotta keep asking for the things, even if something we've asked for didn't happen the way we wanted. Keep asking for the next thing and the next thing. And trust God that he has a better way, even if I don't understand it. That's what Jesus teaches us. We're, we're going to see here in a second and what we need to learn. And, and you can see Jesus teaching this very clearly in the Lord's Prayer. So I want you guys to see this together. And, and could we say this together? I know we all have, grew up maybe knowing a different version or some of you are like, I didn't grow up in church. I've never heard it before. That's okay. You got it on the screen. Okay, let's pray this together. Could we do that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's always a debate. Is it debts or trespasses or sins? Like, which one is it? I don't know. There's just different translations of the same word. Who cares? Okay. But I want you to notice here at the beginning of this passage where, where Jesus teaches us to pray for your will, God's will, to be done on earth as is in heaven. He says, your will be done, right? Your will be done. That's what Jesus teaches us. And it's in the midst of him saying, God, give us daily bread. It's a request. It's in the midst of Jesus saying, change this world so it's like heaven. And all these prayers, lead us not into temptation. He has all these asks, right? He's requesting this, requesting this, and your will be done. It's ask and trust. You guys got that? Ask and trust. That's what Jesus is gonna teach us here. And that's why our big idea Lean in a little bit. Focus if you're watching online. Turn off that TV in the background. You're watching. Focused. I caught somebody there. They're going to send me an email. Focus. Is that God's way may not be your way, but it's the best way. Okay? God's way may not be your way, but it is the best way. And that's what we need to learn today from what Jesus is teaching us to pray, your will be done, and what he's going to show us in his life. And I think this is a lesson we really need to learn because we are used to having it our way, aren't we? We are so used to it. Now Amazon, here in Denver, they can get you something in two hours. Have you guys seen that? Has anybody tried it? A few people, yes, you got their hand raised proudly, mom, the proud mom in the back. Yes, I cannot go to the store. Two hours, Amazon, it's here, okay? And just think of like anything that you want. Like the other night we were like, what, what should we have for dinner? And then we're like, oh, we want something light. So you're like, well, let's get a salad from that fancy, you can get the salad from the fancy restaurant downtown. We didn't, we got Panera. But you can get it from the fancy restaurant. And you're like, and I want it at 5.08, right? Not 5.07, 5.08. And then when it shows up at 5.09, you're like, mm, they're getting a bad Yelp review. Mm. <laughs> they put the dressing on the side. Mm, no, no, no. One star on Google. That's what we do. We want it our way when we want it, right? We're used to that now. But God is not a genie. And here's the first rule of theology. You guys ready for this? God is God and you are not. <laughs> if somebody said amen. God is God and you are not. He might know more than you. He might have a whole bigger plan than giving you what you want at that very moment. So that's why even Jesus teaches us to pray, your will be done. And Jesus didn't just teach it. He lived it out. And that's what I really want us to focus on today, and that's why we're looking at Luke chapter 22, about this time in Jesus' life that was the very last night of his life. In Luke chapter 22, it says in verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. So here's Jesus. This is a place he goes often. It's the Mount of Olives. 
And his disciples are there with him. Now, I want you guys to see the Mount of Olives because there's these cool things called drones now. And you guys can see this, this footage here. And there's Jerusalem there, Old Town Jerusalem. And just east of that is the Mount of Olives. And it's there on the mountain that there's, it, there's all a bunch of trees. And in particular, there's a lot of olive trees. Yes, you guessed it. Okay. And it's sometimes in other gospels called the Garden of Gethsemane because it was a cultivated tree garden, right? And it was there that Jesus prayed. But it's the view that maybe is the most fascinating. Because when you stand looking out west from the Mount of Olives, what do you see? The Temple Mount. And that's where the temple used to stand. That's the Dome of the Rock now, a mosque. But that's where the temple was. So Jesus, in his spot that he goes to pray, could have seen the temple. Why is this significant? Because Jesus knew that the next time he would be in the temple, he'd be tried and convicted of crimes he did not commit and sentenced to an execution. He knew that when he looked out there to the West, it was his impending death. Trial, suffering, the end. So it says in verse 40, on reaching the place, the Mount of Olives, he said to them, his disciples, the followers with him, he said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Saying we need to pray for this, not to fall into temptation. And it's really interesting, this word temptation in Greek could be translated as temptation or trial. It's one word that means both things. And I think that's so fascinating because every temptation we have is a trial that we have to go through, and every trial we have is a temptation as well. Think about it. When you have a temptation, it's a trial. Am I going to make it through this? Am I going to persevere through this hardship? And then when we have those trials that are difficult, the suffering in our life, we're like, there's a temptation. Maybe I could fall away from God and do it my way instead of God's way. So Jesus is saying, that's what's happening right now. On this mountain, there's a trial, there's temptation coming. Pray, guys, I need your help. He's asking his, his community group for prayer here right now. Okay, you guys ever done that? We text our community groups. I mean, we need some prayer, right? Send out the email. Send it to the prayer team. I need you guys to pray with me. It says in verse 41, he, Jesus, withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. It says he's a stone's throw away, meaning he's just far enough that he can pray, but he's not off by himself. He's within earshot of the disciples. They got to hear what he was praying. And this is important because Jesus, through his prayers here, is teaching the disciples and in turn us how to respond to these difficult times in our lives. And he prays in verse 42, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. This is not a cup of iced tea. This is not a cup of wine, okay? This is not a cup of something tasty, strawberry milk. I don't know, whatever you want. Okay, it's not that. Does anybody know what this is? This is the cup of God's wrath that he's referring to. This is actually something that occurs throughout the Old Testament. It's the prophets. Prophets like um, Jeremiah and Isaiah talked about the cup of wrath, you can just imagine a giant goblet filled with God's wrath, his anger, and when you drink it, it's like drinking poison, God's judgment upon yourself. To, to, to one-up um, Isaiah and, and Jeremiah, Ezekiel calls this the cup of horror and destruction. You like that? That's what Jesus is referring to. Saying, God, there's this cup of your wrath, of your judgment, of your hatred for sin, and the judgment and hell that sinners deserve. Jesus knows that he's going to have to drink that cup. But he says, God, 
take it away. He asks, take it away. God, I don't want it. And you could see why, right? You could see right. I heard one pastor describe it as a, as a great dam. Can you just imagine looking at a huge dam? Maybe you've been to the Hoover Dam and you see up there, okay, there's just a ton of water. That's all of God's wrath. It's going to come flooding down if that dam bursts. Jesus is there to step in and drink every single ounce of the wrath that you and I deserve for the sins we commit. To take it all upon himself and drink that poison into himself. And Jesus, in expectation of the trial that was coming, the temptation, said, God, take it away. He's asking, he's requesting, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. So he asks, but what does he say next? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus asks and trusts, doesn't he? Because Jesus knows here that even for Jesus, because he had emptied himself, he was a human just like us, and he knew while he was here on the earth that God's way was not his way, but it was still the best way. So that's why he's going to ask and trust. It says in verse 43 that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Even Jesus needed an angel to prop him up, okay? This is how bad it is for Jesus in this situation. An angel's coming there to comfort him. Sometimes we would like that, wouldn't we? Maybe they are. You don't even see them, right? It's angels propping him up, encouraging Jesus, because even Jesus needs an angel to strengthen him. But it's not enough. In verse 44, it says, And being in anguish, in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is what Jesus is going through. Pure emotional torment. This is like as bad as it gets. There actually is a medical condition called hematidorosis. Doctors, you can correct me afterwards, right? There's an actual condition that when someone is under such duress that their sweat, what happens is that there's capillaries in their blood vessels that burst and the blood comes out with the sweat mixed in. It's that much torment. That may be what's happening here, but Luke just says it was like drops of blood. So it's possible he's just sweating a lot. But either way, what we see here is Jesus in absolute anguish that mentally, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, it's so bad that it's affecting his physical body. Has anyone had anxiety that affected their physical body? Yeah, that's what happens, right? I feel it right here in my neck. There's like a tightness. Some of you guys get headaches. You feel fatigue when you're uh, under a lot of duress. Maybe, you know, gives you stomach cramps. There, there's all sorts of physical things that can happen because of the mental and emotional strain we're going under. Jesus is enduring here just something so hard. It's affecting his mental health here, isn't it? He's under such pain, under such turmoil, to the complete point of anguish, it says. This is something really hard. And so that's why it says in verse 45, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. They were so exhausted physically from being sad and the hardship that they fell asleep. Have you guys ever had friends that were supposed to pray for you and take care of you and show up when you're at the hospital and then they let you down? Okay, Jesus had it too, okay? I'm just saying that because sometimes it's, it's really tough, but Jesus is experiencing this too. Even his disciples who he's trying to lean on his buddies, help lift me up, they're letting him down. 
This is as low of a point as a human being can get. That's why in verse 46, he says, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. That word again. This is temptation. This is trial. This is hard. I don't know if we can make it through this. I need you. And I wonder if it's because of where Jesus was. I've already shown you an image of what uh, it looked like to the west, but I want you to see this map. If Jesus was there on the Mount of Olives, looking out west, he could see the Temple Mount. But if you zoom out just a bit from that, he also knew that to the east was an easy escape route. It really was. This was actually the route that David took when he fled Jerusalem, when his son Absalom staged a coup. Just right down the Mount of Olives, out of town, into the wilderness. So Jesus is there on the mountain. If he looks out over to the west, he can see the temple where he knows if he goes, he will die. All he has to do is stay in the Mount of Olives. They're coming to arrest him that night. Judas would betray him. They would take him to the temple. He'd be tried, he'd be found guilty, and then executed. That's his death there to the west. But if he looks over his other shoulder, he could have escaped. He could have gotten away. He could have lived out uh, who knows how many more years. And I think Jesus knew it right there. Uh, Apologies to Martin Scorsese, but I believe that this was the last temptation of Christ, right there on the Mount of Olives. That Jesus knew. If he stays where he is, if he goes with God's will, he would have to drink that cup of wrath. Face persecution, suffering, and death. Or he could just slip out the back, be gone, and have a much easier life following his way. Do you see that here? Even Jesus faced this decision, God's way or my way. He was a human just like us in his life, emptied himself of his godhood. So Jesus faced all these things. And yet Jesus shows us in the garden what to do because he stayed. He stayed in the garden knowing what was about to happen. He submitted himself to God's will. He trusted God even though his prayer would not be answered the way he wanted. Do you see that here? Jesus teaches us that God's will might not be our will. His way might not be our way, but it's the best way. And even Jesus, knowing what would come, knowing how hard it would be, he still said, I will submit to God's will. I will ask and trust. Do you see his example here? To ask and trust. Because we can know, we can know that God might not answer our prayer the way we want because he didn't even answer his son's prayer the way his son wanted. Do you guys see that? And if God would tell his own son, no, I have something better for you, I have something different, then he will say the same thing to us. Because the student is not greater than the teacher and the disciple is not greater than his master. If we follow Jesus, we know that sometimes we will not get what we ask for in prayer. But God's way is better than your way. God's way may not be your way, but it's the best way. Because what's amazing here is that what Jesus teaches us, when he decided to submit to God's will there, to trust God, even though his prayer would not be answered the way he wanted, he shows us what can happen as a result of that. In the book of Hebrews, the author kind of gives us, uh, tells us what this means. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, While Jesus lived on earth, he prayed to God and asked for help. 
he prayed with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And his prayer was heard because he trusted God. This is talking about Jesus in the garden there. He's praying and he's asking, and he knows God could save him from this death. And it says God even heard him, doesn't it? It wasn't like God was like, oh, sorry, Jesus, I missed that. There's a lot of prayers over here. You know, I missed that. No, God heard it. And yet still, he knew that this is what needed to happen. And that's why it says in verse eight, even though Jesus was the son of God, he learned obedience by what he suffered. And because his obedience was perfect, he was able to give eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus knew that by being obedient to God's will here, trusting God, that it would lead to our eternal life. Do you guys see that? That when Jesus suffered, we don't have to suffer God's wrath. That when he went up on the cross and was executed, we don't have to be executed. Jesus took it all in our place. It made the way for us to have eternal life. And that's why Jesus said, God, your way not, might not be my way, but it's the best way. And he shows us to do the same thing. Because don't we all want our prayers to be answered just like we ask? <laughs> we want that person to be healed. We want the miracle to happen. We want our financial hardship to be taken out of. We want the kid to happen. But sometimes our prayers aren't answered the way we want. We all want to be like, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, get thrown into the furnace, but God will rescue us so that we can emerge unburned, right? We want to be like Daniel, who gets thrown into the lion's den, and God sends angels to still the mouths of the lion so that he emerges unscathed. We want to be like David, to face our giant and take one smooth stone, knock him down on his face. But if we follow Jesus, we know that it might be different because we might go into the flames and get burned. We might go in with the lions and get bit. We might even face our giants and we're the ones toppling down, defeated. But because we follow Jesus, we know that yes, he died, but on the third day he rose from the dead and conquered over death and sin and gave a death blow to Satan himself. And if Jesus would suffer and go to trial and die on the cross saying, God's will, not mine, we can too. Knowing it in all things, God will work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's way is not your way, but it's way better than your way. Now, I know some of us are praying for some big things, some hard things. We're asking God to move. We've been praying for miracles all last month, right? So I want to challenge you guys right now to lift those things up to God. Whatever is on your heart, whatever you need, whatever you're asking for, let's ask and trust right now. So let's close our eyes right now and let's pray together for whatever it is. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently, whatever you need. Let's just ask God for those things. hear our prayers. Lord, hear our thoughts. Hear our prayers. Lord God, we ask for a yes. Lord God, we do ask for healing. We do ask for miracles. We ask for that job to be given. 
We pray for provision. We pray for that person's hard heart to be softened. Hear our prayers and give us a yes. But Lord God, even if you don't answer this prayer the way we want, we will continue to pray. Your will be done. Could we all say that together? Your will be done. Amen. Now, there are some people, and I need you guys to know this, because it does say, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But that only works for those who loved God, who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior. So if you're here today and you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to make a decision today to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond with a simple prayer. It's nothing magical, but it's just a way for us to acknowledge that we are sinners and need his salvation and that we can receive forgiveness and eternal life. So I want everybody to close their eyes again. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, would you say this prayer out loud with me so that you can give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time? Dear Father, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. Give me eternal life. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and trust you for the rest of my life. Now with everybody's eyes still closed, if you're here and you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want you to just shoot your hand right up into the air right now. If you made that decision for the first time, just put your hand up in the air so I can see it, please. And if you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. I'd love to see that and encourage you in this new journey of faith. Lord God, we, we turn to you right now and we do want to follow you. And we're going to keep asking for big things. And we're going to trust you the whole way. Because your way is way better than our way. And we trust you in that. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand and I'm going to turn it back over to Sam and the band.